And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, everybody working up. Everybody's working. With that time, yours. As we seem to have every single game week, we've got like a thousand things to talk about. And I got to tell you guys, you know what I'm not about to do? I'm not about to let us disrespect the 8-4 and four Miami Dolphins. Not the here. Dolphins not here. With the second best scoring defense of the, with one point behind the vaunted Pittsburgh Steelers, Tua Tagovailoa, who is okay so far. I'm not about to disrespect future MVP Tua, coach of the year Brian Flores, best defense in football Miami Dolphins, best special teams. In, you're not going to find any... Finn's disrespect on this podcast because I am apparently genuinely afraid of jinxes. <laughs> they are 11 and 1, but they are 11 and 1 because we've done our part. That's right. We did our part 11 times. <laughs> we've we failed once. And everybody yep. remembers the one. Yep. yep. And we're going to do our it's... part today. Look, um, Brian Flores, uh, Neck and neck with the Coach of the Year award in my eyes. It's either him or Mike Tomlin because I don't know how they're making it work in Pittsburgh, but they are. Um, and that's even regardless of their of their recent loss. But but Brian Flores, can we can we talk about Brian Flores? Josh, can we talk about <laughs> Brian Flores? Only okay. if you say good things. Only positives here, please. The 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 disciple who actually listened to Bill Belichick, who actually was like. <laughs> I can be my own man. I ain't got to be out here looking all stank face while I coach the Detroit Lions. A man who understands my quarterback needs to be supported with complimentary football. And the Miami Dolphins are the complimentary football team of 2020. Good defense. Great special teams. Um, mm -hmm. Hey, don't turn the ball over to it. And we got a shot, baby. Because... Uh, mm -hmm. You know, he turned the ball over against uh, the Denver Broncos, and it all went to bad real quick. So, um, I think he's coach of the year. He may not win that award. Those people are not smart in my eyes. Yes, there's, <laughs> a, I guess, a quarter of the season to go. But right now, week 13 going into 14. Damn it, I'm going to say it. Brian Flores is the coach of the year. I don't I don't think the Miami Dolphins are as talented as they as their record suggests, but damn it, they got good coaches over there. I I just have one objection to everything you just said, and it's something I've been thinking about a lot this week. You know who really should be the coach of the year? Mike Tomlin? Andrewson, <laughs> that's not his full name. What? Andrew Reed. <laughs> Why would you say Andrewson? No I one's ever the been same reason I Andrew call you Joshua when I'm being serious. <laughs> but no, but but Andy is short for Andrew, like Josh is short yes. for Joshua. It's not short of Joshua Finn. <laughs> Andith Reed. <laughs> 
because I was I was being okay. Because that was the no, joke. That's fine. No, don't explain. Josh, it. Okay, somebody, you know what? You know we're gonna keep pause going. It. Josh, that no, no, was no, the no. joke. I don't know why you have to do this. In front I just of really well because you weren't that confident about it. It really, it really. I try to love and I do nothing but show love. And I bought you like four hundred dollars worth of barbecue that one time. But whatever. It was like it was like thirty dollars of barbecue at one point. It was like actually thirty, and it's what I ordered as well. I found someone on on LinkedIn named Andrew Athan. Really? Yeah. I mean, that's his last. There's also an Andrew Nathan. My cousin's name is Nathan Andrew. Is that important? I don't know. <laughs> oh, no, it's starting. All right. Okay. I just want to make a quick argument for, I, I hear you, Brian Flores deserves consideration as, co- as coach of the year, but like Andy Reid has been so good for so long that like people don't even consider him for coach of the year. And plus, because oh, the Chiefs are good every year. And right. here's, here's my argument. They won the Super Bowl last year. Got the monkey off their back. Usually teams have some sort of hangover the following year. Right. Instead, they've been better than they were last year. And Patrick Mahomes is, again, even better. And I think we're reaching the point with Patrick Mahomes where he's so good that he's hurting Andy Reid's coach in the year <laughs> chances. Because I really think at this point in Patrick Mahomes' career, I think Adam Gase could come in and coach the Chiefs and they'd still win 10 games. I don't know like about this probably cuz Mahomes would just know. ignore him. I don't know about Well, Josh, I think Patrick Josh. would be just like straight up in the middle of the locker room in front of everyone and be like, "Adam, we're not going to do that." Um <laughs> and I guess you can bring it to Clark if you want, but I'm thinking he's going to side with me. So, instead, we're going to do what I want to do. Um but he'd do it super politely. I guarantee it. So anyway, oh, man, I feel like they'd give up ninety points a game, and then they'd win. <laughs> they'd win. They'd win like nine games, probably. Yeah, yeah, lot. yeah. Nine games, score ninety six points a game. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't remember how I even got on. Miami's a good team. One thing worth noting: a couple things. So you know, we talk about DVOA a lot, Football Outsiders. You know, um, efficiency metrics. The Dolphins aren't quite as highly ranked there, so right. they're they're eleventh in total DVOA. Um, but that's because they are 26th or 24th against the rush, but sixth against the pass. So they're a really good pass defense. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, they're a- about ranked evenly with Denver. Um, now, to be fair, you know, I don't think the Chiefs will just decide they don't need a touchdown this week and then, you know, miss out on a couple of other ones. Right. So we'll see. But it's a good test. It's a great game. I'm excited. And plus... Every time we see a team play Mahomes for the first time, oh, it's 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 wild. It's always wild because they always, always wild. They always make one mistake, right? Where you see them just like, wait, what the crap was that? Carlton and I look Davis, forward to it. Wherever he is in the universe, wherever he is in that other dimension, is still saying, "This what is happened? true. This is true. And no that's... truer words have been said about football." And you see it not just. Not just with Mahomes, but the Chiefs' skill players. You know, like the Panthers thought they could use Shaq Thompson, a linebacker, on Travis Kelsey. The Buccaneers were like, I bet we could play single high with no help on Tyreek Hill. And so Flores is a really good coach. So I'm guessing he's going to really look a lot at what Belichick's done and imitate it because they blitz a ton. Mm -hmm. And I don't... I don't think we're gonna see a repeat of that, like, like, or like of what we saw with like the Ravens, where it's like, guys, this is what we do. And we talked about this earlier this week. There is no Plan B, There's boys. No B. There ain't no B. You know what B is? More blitzing. 
Maybe this time will be different. This time, it's like that B movie with Jerry Seinfeld, and it works because of the B again, where he keeps trying to go through the windshield. This time, this time, this time, and keeps slamming his head into it. I cannot believe that it took like 108 episodes for us to get a B movie reference on I this know, podcast. We all love it. I'm stunned. You you want to hear something that's just this, I'm I'm doing a little cherry picking here. I really I went to go get this from the Dolphins side, but then I thought you know what I think actually happened to the Chiefs around this time ago. The Chiefs and the Dolphins in their last eight games are both seven and one, both with losses to AFC West teams. Yes. Ooh. Now, man, they're seven and one in their last eight games. Right. Good. They, so they, their first four games, what they lost to the Patriots and Bills, beat the Jags, and then lost to the Seahawks. And then right. since then, there's that loss to the Broncos sitting in the middle there. But uh, yeah, both both teams are seven and one in their last eight games. They are they are very Belichickian because you can you can clearly see improvement. From September to October to November, which was always one of the things about Bill Belichick, was like, scrap whatever the hell they do in September, y'all. That don't matter. What matters mm. is they're going to figure out, oh, we can't do this, and we're going we gonna to systematically get great month over month. Um, and so, again, it's one of the reasons why um, Flores is one of the Coach of the Year candidates quietly alongside Bill Belichick, because how mm-hmm. in God's name are they 6-6 six six before Thursday? That's a while. Now... I can't. By the way, just a, just a quick side note. I can't believe to this day that the New England Patriots somehow beat the Cardinals at home two weeks ago. Like, <laughs> there's so much weird. How? So many like, weird like Cliff. Like, look, Cliff. I I know Cliff Kingsbury has been asked this question a lot, particularly when he was at Texas Tech. How y'all lose that game? How? <laughs> How? <laughs> anyway, um. <laughs> Bill Belichick has been really good about this, and so you can see a continuization of it through the Dolphins. But one thing I will say that should concern Chiefs fans is there was one game this year on the Miami Dolphins calendar that they had no business winning, and they somehow won it. Hmm. And that game was against the Los Angeles Rams. It also happened to be Tua's first start, and so they really eased him in. But as Seth alluded to, Brian Flores was like, you know what? I think it's about time to empty out all the blitz codes. Empty the whole load. And Jared Goff was like, why are you blitzing me every snap? Um, it didn't go well, kids. <laughs> I love how indignant the voice is. Like, you can't do that. You can't triple stamp a double stamp. You can't triple stamp a double stamp. Like, why are you blitzing me? We're in the red zone. No! <laughs> Stop it. You can't do that. <laughs> so... They they won a game that they had no business winning, which I truly believe. Like the Rams, you know, if you play that game a, a couple times, the Rams will probably be the better team um, in all likelihood. But they did lose to the Broncos, so they have they won a game they shouldn't have won, and they've lost a game that they that they shouldn't have. But I do get the sense from the play calling and the level of aggressiveness that the that the Dolphins are starting to put on tape on offense that this should be a pretty intriguing matchup because. Um, I don't, I'm not sure they can win in a shootout, but they will need some things to go in their favor to keep it in the high twenties. Um, cause I think that's where this game can be really fun is if both teams are in the high twenties and you, it's sort of in the balance in the fourth quarter. Um, Emmanuel Agba, just, yeah. just watch out. Just, just watch him y'all. Like he, he out here, he out here hooping after he got a deal y'all hooping. Okay. So, I mean, there, there's, there's legitimate things that the Dolphins have. 
to where I want to see them make the postseason, but they kind of have to win on Sunday based on like mm. the the mathematics of it all. Um, I think we all agree that the Chiefs will probably still win, but it should be fun. It should be one of those yeah. fun games. It, I, I think it has a case to be. I, I think, I think the Dolphins have a case as the most interesting opponent on the schedule this year with a mm-hmm. team like the Chargers because it's like, well, the defense is better than I thought it was going to be. Although each of their special teams, the the Chargers and the Dolphins, are very, 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 very different, um, <laughs> as in like opposite sides of the poles. But they both have the young quarterback. You're kind of still learning about, and is that team good? Do they have a capacity of being good? Again, the Chargers have ended up losing a lot more than we thought they would after seeing them play that well in week two. But, like, the Dolphins have kind of been, like, the the more successful version of that, and I genuinely don't know what to expect. I really like the the, the take of it, the, the Dolphins' best-case scenario is that this game ends with both teams in the 20s yes. because mm. I, I don't think that they're going to have – this is such a stupid, stupid sentence. <laughs> I don't think they're going to have the firepower of the Raiders or Panthers to hang around and do a game into the 30s. I Look, the Raiders are good except when they play the Falcons. <laughs> the non-chief, in the, the non-chief category, the, the Raiders yeah. are yeah. good. <laughs> I – I, but like those, I, I mean, we'll talk about something you guys wrote on the athletic this week in a little bit. I, I obviously think that you know we, we've seen the Chiefs' biggest challenges have come whenever teams have tried to keep up and done it successfully. I don't really think the Dolphins can do that. But the Chiefs also just had their lowest scoring game of the season last week. It it was a little self inflicted here and there, but right. I I kind of I don't I think this game could have a little spice to it. I, I wanted to look as I said last episode, Brian Flores. Just, just give, just give us a call. Me, Josh, Seth, sprinkle a little Ethan in. Just, just call us. Can we recommend onside kicks, mm-hmm. fourth down aggression? Yep. Hell, a little fake punt if you got one on tape. Hell, a little fake field goal if you got one in the playbook. Like, just, just if you want to get to thirty-one, because I've been saying this for a while now. That's the baseline to beat this team most, most Sundays. Mm-hmm. If you want to get to 31, just just empty out all the bag of tricks. The Matt Carolina Rule, Panthers game plan. Yeah, Matt yeah. Rule's on line too. Just give yeah. Matt Rule a call. <laughs> like, we all know. Don't call Vic Fangio. Don't you dare do that. <laughs> Don't you do that, okay? Don't. Let's, look, at, look, at, look at me, Brian Flores. <laughs> we all love you. We respect you. We want you to get coach of the year. Prove it to us on Sunday and don't be, don't be Vic Fangio. Don't do that to us. Don't do that yeah. to us. Well, and don't, yeah, don't, oh my goodness, yeah, some of those, I'm going to give Patrick Mahomes the ball back with four <laughs> minutes. It's like, what are you, Vic, what are you doing, buddy? Like, that was, that was rough. But I, I'm, I'm just trying to think, like, so they've got the throw the kitchen sink at them game plan that we saw from the Panthers, and that I would argue we saw from Vegas. And I think Tampa Bay more kind of played their normal game, and the Chiefs should have blown them out and didn't. I just the Chiefs have played four straight close games, mm-hmm. right? One by two, one by four, one by three, one by six. I would argue. So there's a lot of people right now, like they're kind of getting like the the Steelers treatment a little bit. I would argue that they're due for a statement game. Like their last statement game was probably Buffalo. Um, you know, I mean, they they blew out Denver, um, then they blew out the Jets, but those aren't statement games. That's just mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. That's something that you should do. Um, and so I, I think they're due for a statement game. And I'm just curious, again, there's the unfamiliarity and how good a job Flores can prep his team for a weird, unique matchup because they've got really good corners. 
And on paper, I, I, you know, their pass rush has been okay, but not great. They've relied on on blitzing a lot, and Ogba's had a really good year. So, you know, Ogba, we'll, we'll see how he does, but they, they rely on blitzing a lot. And so I, I, what I'm hoping to see from them, well, not hoping, what I'm hoping to see from them is that they blitz every down because <laughs> the Jared Goff, here's here's your analysis, your in-depth. The Jared Goff game plan does not work against Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like, like, I mean, that would just be, I, I seriously... I think I will always remember, not like as strongly as the Super Bowl, but like watching week three and thinking to myself, oh my gosh, they're going to keep blitzing. Like this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Like <laughs> outside of maybe maybe old Vic giving the ball back to Mahomes with four minutes left. But I was watching that and it was like, they're just going to keep doing it. And the announcers are like, well, you know, you've got your identity. I was like, no, 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 no. That's not how this works. And so I'm I'm really curious about it. It should be a really good matchup. They're, they're a lot like the Panthers also in the sense that I don't know anything about them. Like, even though they're in the AFC, like, when was the last time you watched a Dolphins game? I mean, I've just, I just clicked <laughs> through a couple of them. I was really intrigued by that. It, like, I have a couple friends in Miami. Um, it felt like Tua wasn't healthy against the Broncos and that, mm. like, Drew Luck, played well like again these are all like huh but i think the now did they sleepwalk through the cincinnati Bengals game of course and then of you know the Bengals went Bengals and tried to swing on somebody and then it was like okay i guess we can beat this team now (laughs) so like they're susceptible to having like you know a dip in their play too but i just feel like the energy that was created by them saying you know what we got to a couple snaps against, I believe, the 49ers. Let's get him ready. We got a bye week. Holy crap, that's Aaron Donald. Keep it simple, Tua. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, keep it simple. But I believe the energy there in that game is somewhat that can be matched in this one because it's the Super Bowl champions. Obviously, the the, the Dolphins understand that the, the Chiefs are returning to the scene of their, of their momentous moment. Um in winning the Super Bowl from February, which guys, how many times this week have I told myself? So they played the Super Bowl in February, in Miami, and we're still in 2020. Like, <laughs> yeah, that we're was still... ten months ago. And like, I'm not, I'm not going to that game, right? Because it's because it's 2020. Um, so within all that, I feel like the Dolphins can get up for this the same way they got up for the Rams, and that may make it um, more competitive. But uh, but yeah, you're 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 right, Seth. Because today I asked my Kafka on assistant coach day uh, via Zoom. It's like, do you get happy when when other teams blitz Patrick Mahomes? And in a very polite way, he he basically said yes. Yeah, <laughs> well, because you don't want to call out people that have done it, and right. it's not like teams never have success. But I'm just trying to think, like we've seen plays this year where things haven't worked out. Like um, Le'Veon Bell, his first game with the Chiefs, mm-hmm. I think against Denver, had a couple plays he didn't get his head whipped around in time. And, you know, so it was either incomplete or there was a sack. And we've seen a couple where, like, we've had, like, unblocked guys on the edge due to the play design, like on bootlegs and certain things like that, or RPOs. But I'm trying to think of a play where, like, a free blitzer came in and just walloped Mahomes and... 
It just doesn't happen yeah, much. Yeah, it just doesn't happen, yeah. He, he just, he calls out protections just unbelievably well. So it, it'll be an interesting matchup. I'm excited for it. They're a good team, and this is a chance for the Chiefs to, like, you know, maybe get back to a little more dominant ways, maybe for Twitter to be a little more calm. I would really like that. God, it, Twitter's been kind of stressful lately. I don't know if you, you guys know really this. You haven't really mentioned that much, yeah. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes Twitter is a place of excessive negativity, and I think I don't know if anyone's ever talked about that before. But yeah, they I, you know what? Actually, I just pulled up your Twitter account because I wanted to see something, and it does say uh, a, account created yesterday. So it makes sense that you would just be <laughs> learning that. It now, says I'm tired, Josh. <laughs> does anybody want to know a weird a weird stat? I would skip, love that for scheduling yes. purposes. Yes. Um, per my memory break, uh, Sunday's game will be the first road game at noon or one o'clock Eastern, one Eastern, noon Central. Um, L.A. was at is was in the afternoon, primetime CBS. Uh, Baltimore Monday Night Football. We all remember that. Buffalo, mm-hmm. of course, was supposed to be a Thursday night game. Got moved <laughs> to a Monday afternoon game of all time. Denver. You know, afternoon game was not prime time, kids. It was in the snow. Nobody watched unless you were in Kansas City or Denver. Um, Las Vegas, Sunday Night Football, and Tampa mm. Bay. You know, afternoon prime time CBS. So it's true. If you huh. want, and if you, hey, I'm just saying it. I'm just gonna say it now. In the only weird games category, we're already entered it, y'all, because it's a Monday. It's a Sunday noon kickoff, like. Chiefs fans. Yeah, it's, that's gonna be their up. only. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. gonna be their only road noon game of the year because yeah. Saints is gonna stick in the afternoon and then it's right. two home games. That's wild. wild. That is wild. It's a good I, stat, Nate. That uh, you know what? Chiefs by forty. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I was. I, I was gonna say they were gonna lose this game actually. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not preach you and your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Um, no, there's there's a bunch of stuff I want to talk about that goes a little bit big picture. Some stuff that you guys have both worked on this week. But what do you what do you think is fair to expect here? I'll give. I'll, in fact, you know what? This week I'll go first because nice. I I think it's kind of. Listen, the odds of me being wrong about this are pretty high. <laughs> as is it as, as are the as is the case whenever I say anything. But Seth, you kind of go and like this feels like maybe a little rebound sort of statement game. I my hunch is that the Dolphins are a little too good to get statemented, which I know, like, they also lost to the, like, they've got, they they lost to the Broncos. They got some bad, some bad moments. Some of their wins as of late haven't been terribly Mm -hmm. impressive, like the Mm -hmm. Bengals and Jets. Right. But I just kind of feel like they should be a team that's 
that's hard to blow out mm-hmm. because it feels like enough of enough of what they do is pretty good. Like they lost to the Seahawks by eight back in week four. Mm-hmm. That feels about right. So I think the line in this game is seven, and I, I kind of I kind of think it hangs around there. Like I, I I think maybe the Chiefs do get back up over thirty, but that it ends up being like a thirty-one twenty-four or like a twenty-seven twenty kind of game. I'd be happy to be wrong because I I don't mind a, a game that is a little more chill. Even though I think we complained about that back in week one, where it was like <laughs> that game was kind of low key. But the last few have been very stressful, so I would take what what you're looking towards there, Seth. But I I think I'm kind of going the other way, where it's not like. It's you're not chewing your nails down to the to the the nubs of your hand, but it but it's like a real football team playing a good football game. But the Chiefs are the better team by a, a good margin, if that all makes sense. Correct. Yeah, I, I'm thinking 33-26, something something in there. Um, I I know the Chiefs are better. Doesn't necessarily mean they'll win, but but we we know we know. We know they're gonna that win. they're going to pull. Win. Yeah, they're well. Gonna, gonna win. <laughs> we know they're better. And so it could get a little wacky like Carolina. We've obviously, you know, explained that away so far. But I, I think the Chiefs do get back into the 30-point 30, um, 30 total. Uh, by the way, even with uh, 22 points last week, they're, they're still second in the league in scoring at, at 30. Just, just over 30 points um, per game. So uh, they'll get back to being mostly who they are. It should be fun, but, you know, I also think Steve Spagnuolo has some things that he could throw to Tua that, yeah. you know, Tua just hasn't seen yet because he's only had, you know, a handful of games mm-hmm. as an NFL starter. Yeah. Spagnolo, generally speaking, when quarterbacks aren't playing well, he makes them look worse. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he, yeah. he takes guys that, like, haven't seen a ton or maybe don't react all that well to it or whose arms are kind of shot or whose mobility is shot. Like, if you want to, like, combine it, like, what he's done to Drew Locke or Joe Flacco, both Joe as Broncos. Flacco. Oh, that was bad. Treat this so man as if he's Joe Flacco. He just wears 12 <laughs> for the New England Patriots. But, but treat him the same. Yep, just treat him the same. And so... he generally has a tendency to do that. So I think you make a good point, Josh. I think they're too good. Like, I don't think the Chiefs are going to run them out by 20. That would be hilarious, but I don't, I don't see it. I think they're a good team. They're a well-coached team. And I don't think they're going to fall apart if the Chiefs go on a run early, which is where you see some of the Chiefs blowouts come. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like, you know, the Jets are an easy example, but I mean, even like when they got up early on Houston or when they got up early on Denver, um, or even when they got up kind of early on on New England because New England didn't have Cam Newton. You know, you could just see teams get discouraged and kind of like, oof. I think that happened with Baltimore on a side note a yes. little bit. Mm-hmm. But that's also because I think Kansas City has crawled so far into Baltimore's heads that, I mean, they are like what the Patriots were to the Chiefs. You know what I mean? Like they just mm. they, they just can't beat them. And so, but I think they're probably too good and the Chiefs aren't a rival. There's no backstory here. So I think if the Chiefs go up 14 zip early or something like that, I don't think you're going to see like, oh God, here we go again, you know? Right. So, but I do think the Chiefs could make a statement just by winning this one by 10, Yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, like, hey, that's a good team and we made it not super competitive. And so I'm just, I'm curious what type of game it'll be. So like an example would be like the Tampa Bay game was a game that wasn't really very competitive. The final score looks competitive, Mm -hmm. 
And so I, I could see it be, be I, I think it'd be something like that. I, I don't think it's going to be quite as nail bitey as like, um, you know, the Vegas game, because apparently Vegas, all they do is give is play the Chiefs tough and then <laughs> go to other places and look like they're barely functioning. <clears throat> yeah. Now, I think, now, now, real quick, real quick, Josh. Yeah. Um, since I mentioned that Los Angeles Rams win, their second best win is against Arizona because that's when, mm. um, that's when Kyler Murray was still help was still healthy because Seattle mm. kind of you know landed on his shoulder. Uh, since then, killed the Chargers, which you're supposed to do. Um, hey, they beat the Jets and uh, mm-hmm. Cincinnati, two teams yep. that aren't trying to win. You know, yep. so you're right. So we don't we don't yep. we don't really know. And that's that's honestly good for Miami, not so much the Chiefs, I believe, because then Miami can go from whatever the result is of this game and say we got three games to win out to try to, right. to try to see if we can get into the uh, into the playoffs. Yeah, this is a big game for Miami. Yes, and on that note, like in terms of playoff seeding and stuff, like the Chiefs basically at this point are what like, hey, it would be really nice to get the number one seed, but that's really it because home field advantage isn't that big a deal. Not this year. Yep, not this year. Although, I mean, it might be a bigger deal for the Chiefs than anywhere else, right? Like, especially, say, if you're playing Vegas. Because if they're going to play Derek Carr and the Raiders again, I can't believe I'm saying this like they're super dangerous, but they have been this year. I want them to play Derek Carr in 20-degree weather because I still have yet to see Derek Carr play well in 20-degree weather. True, mm-hmm. true. And so, you know, that matters because the Chiefs are still having fans in. I'm guessing they still will for the playoffs, too. Yes. So it maybe helps them a little more. But it's not the same thing. But that bye week... And again, you know, people need to understand how important bye weeks are. That's why the fact that they may, they've now altered it to where only one team gets it is infuriating to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so it's an automatic win, and in the NFL, you almost never have like a better than like 70 percent chance to win coming into a game. And it's an automatic and it's, win. And it's Andy Reid coming off the bye too, which we should yeah not discount. Give as well. him. Give him a bye week. So it's an important game. It's a good opponent. I'm kind of excited here. Um, it's it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Oh, by the way, uh, for the first time in, I don't know, since we can remember, Josh, uh, the Chiefs will have played first. Steelers play Sunday night. So yes. they will know the results. Put the, the pressure Chiefs, on. Of what the Chiefs do. Exactly. Yeah, we I, we were doing the show during the Washington Pittsburgh game, I believe, on uh, mm-hmm. whatever day was on that. Monday. It was a Monday afternoon. Monday yeah. afternoon. Shout out Kick Alex off. Smith. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I didn't hate that. I, I was I was sitting there, you know, watching a game while plummeted. sitting at work, drafting orders, and watching a game. I was like, wow, this doesn't suck. Yeah, no, it's not bad. And listen, if there's anything that Seth loves, it's something else he can pay attention to instead of doing the podcast. <laughs> Okay, I tweeted you like three times. The Josh. best, the best part was when I, I don't know if, if if you were on a delay or if my TV was just slightly timed up or my phone, I should say, because I was watching it on my phone. Kids, Alex Smith <laughs> scrambled into the pocket and, and Seth literally was like, "Run, Alex!" Like, oh like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was bad. And I was like, "But but 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 Seth, he gets sacked because he can't. His mobility." Yeah, yeah, we probably, why do you, I wasn't telling him to run out of like, hey, make the play. I was telling him to run because I've watched that documentary and I'm like, holy crap, no one's going to actually tackle him, are they? Like, if you're on defense, would you really think about grabbing that leg? Like, would you you see his other leg? (laughs) Oh, when he started bleeding? He was gushing blood out of his other shin. From From his own teammate. I, you know, I will, so just shout out to Alex Smith. I, one of the things, so I often just remember just kind of random things. And I know both of you guys remember this too. 
I, one of my favorite memories of Alex Smith remains to this day because you can tell a lot about a player based on how the people that cover the team every day view a guy. And I always use the example of my guy, Mitch Morse, when he got paid. I think literally every person who covers the Chiefs is like, shout out to Mitch Morse for getting the bag because <laughs> Mitch Morse is awesome. And I will go to my grave defending that take. Anyway, but with Alex, it was <laughs> when 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 a question got asked during a press conference. I got to turn my mic off for this part. You can tell the story, but I can't be here for it. <laughs> <laughs> when a question got asked at a press conference, and look, these things happen. People have questions, but it kind of inferred maybe accidentally that Alex Smith is soft. And Alex, who is like the nicest guy in the world, would never dunk on anyone. Couldn't help himself. He's like, soft. And you heard everyone in the room laugh. And that's all you need to know about Alex Smith, the media people, who were a cynical bunch, yep. thought it was hilarious that someone would even sort of imply that Alex is soft. And because only, that dude, he's only, so tough. Right. And only since then, he's disproved that. At every turn, kids. <laughs> yeah. At, At every literally turn. every turn. <laughs> It's like his leg was disintegrated like it was Thanos had snapped his finger and only disintegrated Alex Smith's leg. And he's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to play professional football after that. And, the, and I, I was the best part in all of this because I actually, you know, we finished recording. We watched the end result. Washington surprisingly wins. And the thing I said to, to Holly sitting next to me is he knows he can't run. Or he knows he yeah. really shouldn't. He knows he, <laughs> he knows he has to do, you know, uh, an imperfect impression of Tom Brady where you're moving in the pocket only to buy yourself a half yep. second more. But on his touchdown throw, oh. he knows he, he knows he's going to get murked. Like he yep. knows the guy's coming on my on on my back shoulder. I can't I know he's coming, I can't see him, but he makes he still makes a perfect throw. Yep. And the way that team has has just surprisingly lived on through him has been one of the more fascinating things of this season. Because absolutely, the belief on those guys in Washington is 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 palpable. You honestly feel that when he throws the football on certain downs at a certain distance. Yes, I know, kids. He still throws it not deep. Maybe top. a little short of the sticks. Maybe a little short of the sticks. But hey, would you be throwing the ball short of the sticks if your leg was looking like that? Of course you would. Now. He, he knew he was going to get hit on the back or mm-hmm. in the back, threw a perfect ball. They go on and take the lead. I mean, it it, 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 it truly is remarkable. Just just yes. wildly remarkable. And trying to explain that to your significant other that, like, no, he, he almost lost his leg because of football, because of yeah. infections, and because of surgery. And yeah. he still will stand in the pocket and be willing to take a hit when, like, all of us will be like, why would I throw the football right now? I'm going to go in all four positions. Can you just two-hand touch me down? Can you just, yeah. can you just two-hand <laughs> touch me down? You still get the sack? Hey, hey, I'm Brett Favre. You're Michael Strahan. Yeah. We, can, we, yeah. we, we can make this work. Why would I, welcome, why would I, welcome I would back, throw Josh. the ball? I would tie two of like the NFL towels to my hips and just say, you pull the flag. I'm going to drop right there. Honor system. You get that flag, I'll just drop down. It's no big deal. No big deal. Honor system. You still get yep. the sack. And he's like the one quarterback in the league. Everyone knows what he went through. He's like the one quarterback in the league. A defender might be like, yeah, okay. 
yeah, like I'll, I'll do that that's fair um but yeah it's it was cool to seeing chiefs players tweet yes. about alex mm-hmm. like I, I understand P- chiefs fans have opinions about alex in terms of his quarterbacking i'm always going to die on the hill he's a good but not great quarterback and in this league you kind of need a great one and then he had the you could call it misfortune of being replaced by a demigod <laughs> um and so because he, he knew it in the moment he knew it and he knew it alex yes. knew and he still helped him and it's just such a cool thing but i mean he you just see what what for people who covered him think of him what former teammates think of him and current teammates think of him and so it's just it's awesome i know we we spent a lot more time than we we're planning on we've got a bunch of other things to talk about but just seriously shout out to alex smith for being not soft oh yeah you're trying to get me in trouble and i'm gonna <laughs> i'm not gonna get in trouble that's fine i'm gonna step right past it i'm gonna get moving on you hey you want a segue you guys want a good segue into a couple Ooh, other things let's I'd do love it, it. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Because of that victory of the Washington football team over the Pittsburgh Steelers, according to uh, our friend and colleague Ethan Douglas's EPR expected power rating, which you can check out up on theathletic.com, the Kansas City Chiefs are now the favorite to get the first round bye in the AFC. 52% uh, point, uh, 52.1% to the Steelers, 46.6%. Um, there's a little, a little extra, uh, change in there that I would, he would have to explain. I think that eventually goes down like the bills have a 1% chance basically, right. but the, the chiefs have the slight advantage now. And, and the, those tiebreakers will get a lot more interesting depending on who they might lose to. If the Steelers loses the bills, it's looking very good for the chiefs. Cause that's a common opponent. Yep. Yep. Which is, which is the most important tiebreaker right oh, there. Is that the first one? I believe it's the first one that would be relevant since they don't play one another. Um, right. Yes. The way the way that we're boiled down at this point, it would ultimately be that would be the next most relevant one. Um, I think there's some stuff about conference and like divisional games and stuff like that that might step in first, but those would all end up 
neutralizing because the Chiefs and, and Steelers both have been in lockstep to this point. The mm-hmm. the one thing, the reason though that the Steelers are still ahead right now is because their loss is to an NFC opponent. The Chiefs' right. loss was to an AFC opponent. So just so everyone knows that the Steelers right now would get the bye. But if they lose to the Bills, it would look very very good for the Chiefs. Plus, you have the chances of them losing to their schedule is not the, the the hardest part of their schedule just started basically. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. It's the Browns and the Colts and the Bills, I believe, are three of their last four. Maybe the mm-hmm. Bengals in there. I I know that pretty well at this point because I've spent too much time staring at the Steelers' schedule. I think that's it, though. Mm-hmm. But uh, what I really want to talk about is not just that little discovery uh, from Ethan, but also what you guys worked with Ethan on, yes. a piece up in The Athletic right now that I just think is wonderful on, on all three levels. I actually talked to Ethan about it last night on uh, Almost Entirely Sports, on my radio show on Sports Radio 810, and now I get to talk to you guys about it, so it's really just Christmas for me because the topic is why keeping the ball away from Alec, from Alex Smith, oh boy, <laughs> keeping the ball away from Patrick Mahomes is not a good strategy or a strategy at all. It is Bills, Bengals, Colts, Browns, by the way, the rest of the way out, uh, rest of the way out for the Steelers. I got distracted. I was trying to do too many things at once. Um, but you you guys wrote about the idea of, uh, of controlling the clock to beat the Chiefs. Uh, Nate, I'll go to you first because you kind of take the lead in the story and also uh, have a couple of quotes you look back to. Can you kind of set the stage on... Uh, on, on, on where you guys, how you guys began this this search and, and what you looked into, and then we'll let Seth take it from there. Yeah, of course. Um, I appreciate it. I hope everybody got a chance to check it out on the app or on the website. It, it's it's a fun project to do because um, we actually started debunking it here on this podcast, which is like Sir. such a full circle moment. Um, but we at The Athletic on the NFL uh, vertical section, whatever you want to call it, um, one of our really great colleagues, uh, Jordan Rodriguez had this great idea that said we should do like a MythBuster series or what is something that is myth that is actually a fact or something that is you know perceived to be true like you know you gotta keep the ball away from Patrick Mahomes that's entirely <laughs> stupid um so I was glad to go into that side of the category where we're not you know um proving something that that you don't truly know is is the case just yet but actually we want we want to debunk something and so. Um, look, the Chiefs are a Death Star. We've said it before. Uh, Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, um, with the talent around Patrick Mahomes, it's 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 hard. So it's plausible. And I remember to this day um, being at the combine after the 2018 season, and people literally telling me like, I don't know, man, you gotta you gotta you got stock up on running backs, get you some tight ends, get you mm-hmm. a defense, get your get you a Bill Belichick, basically. Which was to say, um, maybe you could have the ball for 40 minutes and that'll be enough. Not realizing um, that the Chiefs only need 20 minutes to score 30 or more points on you. So it, it's a fun discussion to have. Um, it's still fun because I went through some losses and some wins to find the interesting you know, quotes. And my two favorite are Deshaun Watson kind of saying point blank, like, Feeding into the cliche of being like, hey, it's not about big plays. It's just moving the ball forward little by little. Tick, 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 tick. But we got to <laughs> score, right? So, like, <laughs> and so everybody remembers in October of last year where Deshaun Watson and the, and the, and the Texans came in with, yes, Bill O'Brien and somehow found a way to win um, where they had the ball for the majority of the game. So, shout out to them. Um, but, you know, Deshaun was basically saying, like, 
I don't need big plays. I just need to keep my homes on the sideline. Like another quarterback actually saying that about the opposing quarterback is so rare, which tells you how great Mahomes is. And then secondly, um, I still remember this as if it was yesterday. But, you know, of course, the Houston Texans returned to Arrowhead Stadium. They had a 24-0 week, kids. All they had to do, as the experts would say, as the analysts, as even fans would say, is just squeeze, just milk that clock, baby. Just milk it. Just just one by one. Just drip by drip. Just just keep handing the ball off to Carlos Hyde. Um, obviously, that did not work. Right. And Mitchell Sports said, well, you know, um, if we get down, that we have to throw the ball, which is like the best thing we're good at. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> yeah. This is the greatest thing. Like most teams, you want them to throw the ball. You You would love for them to throw the ball. On all three downs, because clearly they're in kind of this desperation mode. That's where we're actually Hall of Fame level good. <laughs> so mm-hmm. what ended up happening was the Chiefs scored seven straight touchdowns. <laughs> what happened was <laughs> things got out of hand. Bill O'Brien was then fired <laughs> months later because, of course, he had kind of fed into something that wasn't true. Um, now, mm. did he expedite the process? Of course he did with the most stupidest fake punt I've ever seen in NFL playoff history. Now, um... I'm going to now give this to, to Seth, but it, it was great to know that I was the one who could tell people plainly, the only reason why you believe this myth works is because it's Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. That's the only reason mm-hmm. this ever worked, because for two games, it they found a way to hold the ball for, I believe, 38 minutes and 44 minutes and squeak right. by both times. Because right. Patrick Mahomes is going to put 30 on you regardless of the type of possession if you give him the level of possessions that most teams get in most NFL games. And this now leads to Seth, who tells you, unless you're willing to onside kick it every time, this is the <laughs> dumbest thing whatsoever. <laughs> but hey, so, but hey, be Sean Payton. Hell, don't give him the ball back. Hey, hey, somebody look up the, the Super Bowl in 2010 yep. where Sean Payton was like, why would I give the ball back to Peyton Manning in his yeah, why, why would I do such a stupid thing? So here's the deal. I, you know, Nate, I'll agree with you um, on one reason people believe this works is because they, you know, the, the Patriots games. The other reason people believe this works is because it just gets repeated constantly. Right. Right. Uh, anytime a narrative gets pushed, and this is something I hope we have time to talk about in terms of the Chiefs and short yardage as well. Anytime you hear something repeated, you people just accept it as reality without really giving it any critical thought. And that's something, oh, time of possession, time of possession, keep the ball out of their hands. And people don't really give it a ton of thought because like, well, obviously, while the one team has the ball, the other team cannot. Here's the deal. You always give the ball back in football. You always give it back. Barring a turnover. And no one's here to argue that, yeah, if you get three turnovers against the Chiefs, right. that's going to help you win. Hey, the, like, the, the, uh, the, the San Francisco 49ers got two in the second half. Yeah, and they still it's won. Still and lost. they still the ball for like. Well, and so here's the deal. In theory, it is better for like. So in theory, if you can lower the number of possessions of a game. Because that's all you're doing. You're not literally keeping the ball away because you will always give it back if we take out turnovers. So first of all, stop thinking of it the way people always say it, keeping the ball away. That is not accurate. It is literally false because you are always giving the ball back. So erase that one from your mind. It's not really keeping the ball away. Minutes don't matter. Stop thinking about it in terms of minutes. Stop it. All right. So, (laughs) sorry. Okay. Stop yelling at me. And so then... 
So then you ask yourself, okay, what benefit might it have? Well, if it lowers the number of possessions for both teams, what that does in theory is it makes the game more random. In theory, right? So it's like, okay, we want only normally you know teams have 11 possessions but if we lower it to nine then a random sack or fumble or tripped player or holding call is more likely to impact the chief's drives and they won't score as much and it's more random and our worst offense has a chance of matching them right in theory <coughs> that's a good idea what i wanted to look at was what happens actually in practice and what actually happens in practice, if you look at every single loss the Chiefs have had in the Mahomes era, the average number of NFL possessions by a team per game in 2019 is 11.2 drives per game, okay? Remember, the goal is to lower number of possessions. The average number of possessions that Kansas City had in its losses is 11.1. It didn't move the needle at all. It didn't against New England in 2018. Right. Didn't against New England in the playoffs. Didn't against, uh, you know, the, the Chargers in 18. Didn't against that infamous, you know, the Indianapolis game that everyone points to in 2018. Well, they ran their ball down the throat. The Tennessee game, they ran the ball down their throat. Against the Titans, that 2019 game, the Chiefs had 12 possessions. They had more than average. Against the Colts, yeah, they had fewer. One, they had 10 possessions. Right. It doesn't work in practice, and here's why. Because... And here's the hypothetical you lay out. You have this great 15-play, 75-yard drive that ends in a field goal, and you kept the ball for, you know, 10 minutes. Woo. Yay! Woo. You give the ball back to the Chiefs, and Patrick Mahomes throws a 75-yard touchdown to Tyree Kill, and it takes 15 seconds off the board. Yikes. Now, all of a sudden, that average time of drive for both teams has been shifted. So the thing about grinding the clock out... Oh, and before you say, well, it'll make the defenders tired. I have talked to multiple pro defenders about this, and they say that's bunk. They say, yeah, you know, when they see the offense score quickly, I, I, I have had multiple guys say to me they've literally never had a time that the offense scored quickly, and they're like, oh, man, I needed another break. He was... The, the guy I talked to, well, two of them actually said the same thing. It's like, well, there's like... The, the the kickoff, the, TV the change of possession, the TV timeout. He's like, he's like, I don't know how long people think I need a breather for, but it's like five minutes of real time. When was the last time you needed longer than that between wind sprints? And I was like, crap, I never thought about that. Because we think of it in terms of real time, right? It's like, oh, yeah. it's only been 13 seconds. Right. Well, that's not true. It, yeah, it, only, so, it only matters like deep in the fourth quarter or in overtime yes. because you're playing more snaps than you normally would, right? Not, Absolutely. Not because of time. Per, per time possession, not not necessarily right. it's more snap related. Or the so end of a long drive, which has to do with the defense, not the offense. You're cooking right now, so I'm just gonna sneak in and just like sprinkle in like one piece of salt real quick is also that offenses get tired. That's that can't like the yes. idea that it's more exhausting for the defense is still weird. Also like running the ball, well it's actually harder for like corners if they're covering routes for like ten times. And also incompletions, like incomplete routes you still have to run with. But it takes yes. like three seconds off the you, clock. But like all a two-yard run takes yep. 40 seconds. That doesn't make any sense. Right. And so that all these things combine to the reality that it's not just on the offense. You, you can run the ball 40 times and run the ball very successfully. And you still might not lower. And probably if we base on the evidence, 
right? Because we can say, well, in theory, that would work. But in every single Chiefs loss, only one time has it resulted in fewer than 10 possessions. Because I'm sitting here, look at the number of possessions for Kansas City. 11, 15, 9, 11, 11, 10, 10, 12, 11. It doesn't work in practice. And so if something hasn't worked in practice in two and a half years... Maybe it's time to say that the evidence is against it working. And one other thing that I actually didn't think of when we wrote the article, trying to um, make randomization have a larger impact on the game by lowering the number of possessions, I'm not sure that would actually work because it's every individual play in which you have a chance for a random result. Yes. So mm -hmm. if you have just as many plays but fewer possessions, I don't think you're making the game any less or more yeah. random. You're, you're actually magnifying whatever yeah. random does occur. But again, that could not be in your favor. Yes. And that's all it. And then one more thing to think about before people just want to, well, no, no, but it works in theory. Kansas City and its losses averaged 31.3 points. Their opponents had to score 36 that's points insane. per game to beat them. And the only exception, and I, I have to do this constantly with people, the only exception to that rule is the Indianapolis Colts game in 2019. And let me just remind you before you point to that, Tyreek Hill wasn't playing. Sammy Watkins played like two snaps. Eric Fisher wasn't playing. And in the second quarter, Patrick Mahomes aggravated his ankle and was hobbling around the rest of the day. And mm -hmm. Damian Williams dropped a touchdown pass. LaShawn McCoy fumbled away. It would have been a touchdown drive or at least a field goal. That and, is not a formula. And, and, by, and he was throwing to Byron Pringle, who was giving his first ever significant NFL <laughs> yeah. snap and caught a pass and somehow didn't get a first down. I still remember yeah, this to this day. I'm still mad about that one. <laughs> that was the, like, Chiefs, the Chiefs defense gave up about two points per possession in that game. Which wild yes. right I, right yep so that's Crazy. i that's really running through the article as quickly as i can like you said you know i get cooking over that because it's one of those things people believe it and for some reason the 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 burden of proof is being placed on the people saying it's not true Right. Well, well, and it, it drives me crazy. Well, I, I'll... can I give you can I give you Ethan's part really quick? Yeah, uh, yes. Because sure. because the one thing this that he great. it's in the story and there's something else he mentioned on the radio show last night. But he also has what I think is one of it's a super simple two column chart. It, it, this is not have does not have a bunch of data points on it. But what he did he he wasn't looking at EPA per play against the Chiefs defense, you know, allowed by the Chiefs defense or yards or whatever. What he did was he looked at average win probability allowed by the Chiefs defense from 2018 through now and found that by a, a substantial little margin, throwing the ball on average adds more to your win probability against the Chiefs defense than running the ball does by like 0 .001 yeah. per play to about 0 .00178 or something like that. A, it's a, a very little, large margin. Yeah, it's like a thirty a thirty percent increase, kind of eyeballing it, something like that, maybe forty percent. So, throwing the ball against the Chiefs' defense is is the thing that again, not just by expected points added per play, which we use all the time now, but by win percentage, which is something that would account for something like you know, quote unquote, shortening the game. Right. Running, if because you know, if you get a, a a first down where you run the ball for you, you run the ball for a first down with 80 seconds left in the game or whatever, uh, that can essentially ice it, right? That's huge for your win probability, even though it's not gonna, you're not gonna go score off of that. So, you know, depending on how those things all get measured, this is accounting for win probability allowed by the Chiefs defense. You're still better throwing the ball than running it by a substantial margin. So, running the ball to keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands, which is something that's been kind of now disproven on two levels. What Ethan said on the show last night is he said, you know, there's this analogy 
We'll say, all right, let's go back to the randomness thing about, you know, number of possessions, which I still think what Seth has shown even takes that to a point where the the, the number of different outcomes varying and they are so limited. We said, all right, well, you have to you have to win a, a three-point shooting contest with Steph Curry. How many shots would you want to take in that game? You'd say, well, I guess I'd take one because there's a chance that I make it and there's a chance that he misses it. And if we do this for 10 shots, it's, there's no chance on our that I win. night night. <laughs> that logic that logic makes sense and it's it true does. in that example but what ethan finds in the win percentage model is that you would be saying okay well to do this by this logic now you're shooting your three-point shot left-handed for no good reason because mm-hmm. you're running the ball against the chief's defense instead of passing it well also if you're taking what seth has has taken into account here you're now going you're now shooting left-handed but you're going to shoot somewhere between 9 and 15 times instead of just definitely shooting 12 <laughs> times or whatever instead of definitely shooting 11 times maybe you can shoot 9 because you're shooting left-handed instead of just shooting 12 right-handed your odds are still very bad cuz it's Steph Curry or it's the Chiefs but you're 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 not helping yourself with any of the conventional wisdom that has been structured to tell you this is how you can Keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands. Nate, what, what were you going to add? Um, this this was all I was going to add. And this is, again, call me. I'm just saying, call Brian Forrest, call me. All you need to do is what John Gruden and, and Derek Carr did, which is um, possess the ball for 35 minutes and also score 40 points. That's what it's taken right. to beat the Chiefs this season. And would that actually, and if, if this was a mathematical problem where you could go through and cancel out things that are on both sides of the equation, you could just sort of take out 35 minutes of possession. What you need to do is score 35 points. That, like, mm-hmm. you you simply mm-hmm. must score and you must have but if, but high success possession. But if you're an old ball coach, coach, you're going to need the ball for 35 minutes and 35 <laughs> points. Right. That I don't know what if you're eating something or if you just did a perfect impression of a coach with some like dip in his mouth. But either way, it was like it was. You can't like rule out that he had some coach. dip in his mouth. You, you are welcome. I am. I am. I am dedicated to the craft. <laughs> I I think that covers it for the most part. Again, this is the thing, Seth, that you kind of dug into. I was so glad that's where you went with it because that's actually something that. You know, for the over the last couple of years, I feel like you know th- we collectively have been on a nice little rampage against time of possession because it's an unmeaningful stat that's ninety eight percent noise and is yep. descriptive but not predictive in any way. Um, the but the thing that I would occasionally fall back to is well, but yeah, if you can limit number of possessions, but that was something that actually really in the last few months I would say over the course of this season and a little bit maybe last off season I had started seeing some more people doing that kind of research that you were doing, Seth, that was saying well, really like. Limiting number of possessions is you're not gonna it's not gonna be a three possession game. That's mm-hmm. not going to happen. Correct. In any circumstance. So even the idea of limiting number of possessions, which for a while felt like a win in an argument about time of possession, mm-hmm. even that's really not worth your concern. Correct. I, I really didn't have anything to add to that. That was just no. really correct. <laughs> no, it, well, yes, and it's based off the thing that you wrote. So of course it's really it's doubly <laughs> yeah, correct. That would have been. That would have been. Was, I feel like this was the ultimate litmus test to see if I'll just argue with you about literally anything, <laughs> even if it forces me to just go ahead and just you know walk to the other side of my own no. argument. How I mean, dare you? No, that was. I think that was a perfect moment of unity, which was me saying, "Hey, Seth, I think the thing that you wrote was really interesting and good." And you're like, "I do too." Next topic. It's like boom. <laughs> 
well-oiled <laughs> machine here, baby. I just think that's, I thought that was really, really interesting. Oh, thank um, you. So please, if you if you want more information on that, we, we spent some time on it just now, but if you want to get to read it, look at the chart that Ethan put together, look at all the numbers that Seth has, um, get quotes from uh, from John Gruden, you know, saying we got to get the, we got to keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands. Um, <laughs> you can see all that in the article up on The Athletic. Uh, it, it's just excellent work from, from Nate, Seth, and Ethan. Thank you. But now... Uh, one other thing real quick I want to squeeze a couple minutes out of, and Seth, I know that I know we're nearing the end of the show, and which means that whenever we're nearing the end of the show, you were supposed to leave three minutes ago. That's just sort of yes. a fun little thing we've got. That's okay. My wife needs to learn that disappointment is a part of life. Exactly. It's, and it's exactly. certainly a part of being married to you. Yeah. 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 I mean, just it, it, comes, you it, know, comes with, it comes with the I do. It just does. Did Nate agreed with me a little too fast there. I, think, I that's give taste. and I give and I – anyway, what what did you want to talk to me about, Josh, before – I wanted I... to talk about the Chief in the North newsletter that you can subscribe to on Substack or through Seth's Twitter account, which is at RealMNChiefsFan. Do you have five more minutes, Seth? I've got five. I've always got time to talk about the Chief in the North newsletter. You, you took a dig into the uh, the short yardage issues of the last couple of weeks for the Chiefs. You, you have a little bit of, uh, you know, explaining what we've seen and a little bit of what we should be expecting. or Maybe the Chiefs should be doing a little bit differently. Correct. Take us so, through part one. What have you seen these last couple of weeks when you went and reviewed the film? So I, you know, everyone's talking about after the last two weeks, you know, the Chiefs went over in the red zone against Denver and everyone's like, holy crap. And people remember some stuff from Tampa Bay where they struggled with some short yardage stuff. And what I'm seeing is I, I you know, people are going to have takes. It's like, well, they can't gain a yard when they need a yard. That's a real weakness of this team. It's going to be a real problem in January. And I was right there with everyone else. And I think, I mean, I was even talking to you guys about it earlier this mm-hmm. week. Like, that's problematic. What are they going to do? The interior offensive line is struggling. And then I realized much like with the conversation about time of possession, I was making statements as though they were proven without really looking at the evidence. So what I did is I went and I looked at every snap on third and fourth down with two yards or less to go. And then every snap inside the 10 yard line or inside it further or every drive where they reached the 10 because red zone stats are easily findable. You know, people can access those. I wanted to find even closer because you can still stretch the field inside the 20 a little bit. And so I looked at every drive to see how often they could, they scored touchdowns when they got to the 10 or inside. And then, like I said, every snap that was third or fourth and one or two, because those are your, your classic short yard situations, right? Second and two, you can do play action and throw the ball inside the 20. You can still stretch the field a little bit. We're talking the real classic short yardage things. And what I found was, is that we were all just wrong, at least as of now. <laughs> um, the Chiefs have been really bad. The last two weeks against Tampa Bay and against Denver, they are against Denver and Tampa Bay. They are two for six in third or fourth down conversions with one or two yards to go. Right. That's bad. That's objectively bad. Um, Before that, however, they were converting at 72.4% of the time. The last two weeks, they're 0 for 5 getting inside the 10 yard line. That's awful. Right. I mean, that's objectively horrific. Before that, they. Yeah, yeah, that is some Jets stuff right there. Before that, they were converting in the touchdowns, not field, not just scoring, but touchdowns, 88.9% of the time. And so the next question, well, how does that compare? So I looked at the next two or the two other best offenses in the league, which are the Packers mm-hmm. and the the Titans right now, like in terms of uh of scoring. I don't know why I didn't use DVOA. I should have. Anyway, they convert third and fourth and short at a higher rate than Green Bay or Tennessee. And that includes after these last two weeks. But they right now are still at about the same 
conversion rate of touchdowns inside the 10-yard lane as Tennessee. They're behind Green Bay. Green Bay is at about 90%, which is right where the Chiefs were until these last two weeks. Basically, no one's talking about, the well, Tennessee can't pick up short yardage. No one's talking about Green Bay not being able to do it. And the Chiefs are doing it at the same rate as those teams, basically. that That's the part one, is that this is actually just a two-game problem. And if you look at Green Bay or Tennessee, you'll see a couple of bad games for both of them. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs just happen to have it back-to-back. Now, we'll see what happens, right? Because you never know. Maybe this is the beginning of a trend. But as of right now, in the season as a whole, they've been good in short yardage situations. So it's part just two been... F- yep. I thought that was a period. I was so <laughs> sure that I got you at the end of a sentence for I- once. Our, our two options are either I interrupt you by accident or I wait three full seconds after you finish a point, and I guessed wrong on that one. We, uh, it's never any in-between either. No, it, it's, it's really yep. – it's never successful. We just did it again. Uh, so, so part two here is what worked through the first several weeks? What wasn't working these last couple of weeks? What should they be doing more and less of in the weeks to come? It's called a quarterback sneak, Josh. Just sneak it <laughs> ten times. So, so basically what you saw – is some things that are relatively high-variance things in terms of stopping their drives. You get a bad loss here and there. There are a couple things I think they do that work better in those short yardage situations. Um, Just running pure power is the wrong term because that's a term of art in offensive line play where you actually have pulling guys, but I'm not going to get into that. They really should just be running straight ahead with gap uh, with gap disciplines where the, the running back is just picking a gap and they're just going straight ahead. Now, they don't have a great line to win for that, but the thing is the line just has to not lose because with that type of situation, the running back can pick a gap and squirm his way forward for a yard. Instead, they often have pulling guards, which invites gap shooters from the defensive side of the ball to come in and make a tackle or encourages a one-on-one loss instead of double teams at the point of attack, okay? Um, the other thing that they need to stop doing is bunching everyone up and into the box. You know, they, they you know with three tight ends and that stuff, it's like, well, that's three blockers. Yeah, but it also allows them to put an extra defensive yeah, end there and two linebackers. Yeah. It smushes everyone yeah. in, and the Chiefs aren't good enough at blocking. It would be different if it was like, you know, you know Jason Dunn and, you know, another tight end like that. Um, and Kelsey's a really good blocker, but straight inline blocking is not his thing right? He's not Kittle in that respect. He's a great open field blocker, right? Great at ceiling, great at that sort of stuff, great at pulling, but not that straight inline blocker. And so you are actually putting yourself at a disadvantage. Whereas when they spread things out and go straight ahead and force defenses to have light boxes, that's when they're having more success, just gaining a yard or two running right up the middle. And so they, they, I think they should keep, you know, everyone's like, oh, they run too many trick plays. No, they don't. They're testing the, the, they're testing the edges. They force defenses to respect them. Keep doing that. Keep faking it. Keep forcing defenses to worry about the edges. But they also need to do a couple of the other things too. But the biggest thing is it's not nearly the concern everyone's acting like it is. We'll see whether that's true here in, you know, uh, we'll see how it goes against Miami. We'll see if it's the beginning of a trend. But as of right now, the season on average, they've been just fine. Nate, how'd you feel about that? The uh, the digging into the issue there, and, and then the idea of what is a better use of their of their effort in the short yard situations. Yeah, I, I would I would add that you know in the past Andy Reid has not been afraid to do some RPO action near the goal line. Um, I tend to agree with Seth. Was just like, hey man, just just hand that thing off. <laughs> like, like don't give the defense um, too much time. To react because when you do some of the RPO or some of the pulling, it it, it kind of 
you know, you, you need just sharp execution, which is fine. Um, I, I'm fascinated to see if the Chiefs get in the red zone, say, like, four times uh, against Miami. What are the results? Because Miami, we all agree, kind of has a pretty good defense. So, a respectable defense. But um, I just... I just want us to get to January, and I want to see what the short yardage plays that they've kind of put on tape that are obviously deviations or wrinkles or variations, and what Rose Bowl parade nonsense are they going to roll out in January? That that's <laughs> that's what I'm really interested in, just because um, I, I I feel like Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy want to get to the simple stuff, want to get through the simple stuff, so they can get to the really advanced things, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. Um, all right. I, yeah, we're, we're past an hour. So I feel like that's probably most of the things we needed to cover. Is everybody good? I got a whole outro thing ready to go here, but I want to make sure I haven't stepped on anyone's toes or I didn't interrupt Seth too soon by accident. <laughs> I'm good, man. I'm good. I just, I know that Did uh, Seth just leaves. Seth may have just disappeared. He may have just disappeared. Um, which is, which is what he's God. He's so good. He sure did. He's so good. At he this. sure did. He's not in the zoom anymore. <laughs> so good at this um i was literally my whole point was gonna be hey seth do you have anything else left and it was just crickets danielle's on vacation so i'll just say marissa please don't edit any of this out no don't need to know how seth did us um he 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 didn't even text us usually he's like hey guys i gotta dip he's he's really good um man it's a a victory it's a victory for jazz is what i'll say that's i that's a certain way of looking at it yeah uh (laughs) i uh We'll, we'll, we'll be back early next week. I was going to talk about this, both of you guys, but Seth is gone now, so I guess Nate, you and I can just plan this out. Yeah. We probably should wait until after Sunday Night Football to do the show this week, because or next uh, on Monday or, or Tuesday, or Sunday or Monday, because we need to know what happens with the Bills and the Steelers. That could really impact mm-hmm. some things. But we'll be back early next week. You can check out uh, the article with Nate, Seth, and Ethan up on The Athletic. You can check out Seth's Chief of North Newsletter with more on the short yardage game. And, uh, and we'll go to Seth for his final thoughts. And now we'll go to Nate. Uh, that's it. You can, again, follow us on Twitter. Uh, Real MN Chiefs fan by Nate Taylor. JB Briscoe from me. We'll talk to you again uh, early next week. We'll see if it's, you know, Monday morning, Monday afternoon, Sunday night. We'll, we'll see how the Steelers and Bills are looking, and we'll figure it all out. Nate, what you got? I would just tell Brian Flores to please, sir, just call us. Just just find a way to, to score points, okay? Like, we, we, I'm not saying y'all gonna win, but make it fun. Make it make it really fun, please. Please be a, please be a coach of the year after after Sunday, please. Don't 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 do us dirty. 